0: The following podcast uses words that lawyers don't use in court, even though they're thinking them. Hello, and welcome to episode 295 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Uh, boy, what did we talk about today on the show, Ben?
1: What do we talk about? Paradox questions, um, more LSAC snafus, they just don't seem to know what they're talking about their own (laughs) proctor U
0: problems LSAC appeal problems um we had an excuse of the week and we had a whole bunch of stuff from the mailbag yeah uh
1: scheduling issues gpa stuff uh good news from someone who went to a top law school and is now working at a top law firm
0: (laughs) but has three hundred thousand dollars of debt yeah so good and bad news there. Yeah. Um, anyway, this show is going to air Monday, April twenty sixth. Upcoming events include uh, woo, registration deadline for the June LSAT is on top of us. Uh, Friday, April thirtieth is the last day that you can register for the June LSAT. Uh, so get on it uh, if you're you know within ten points of your goal. I think you should probably sign up if you if you have any intention of going to law school in 2022, I really think people should be trying to take that June test. Um, I don't normally push people to toward their first LSAT, but I think this is kind of the exception. Like if, if you really do want to start law school in 2022, then I really want you to apply in fall of 2021. And if you haven't had any LSATs on record yet, you should get on the grind and try to take that june test because then you've got august as a backup and you can still apply early otherwise if august is your first test it's like you got one shot at it in order to still apply at the beginning of the cycle um so that june test gives you a little bit more breathing room yeah Uh, the june test is going to happen uh the week of saturday June 12th. Anybody who is taking the June LSAT is welcome to sign up for my study group. Uh, It's free. All you need is a demon free account, which you can get in five seconds at lsatdemon.com. Register for it's a recurring class every Thursday on zoom. Uh, Right now it's at 4pm Pacific, 7pm Eastern. Register for that at lsatdemon.com study with me and a whole bunch of other folks who are uh, grinding it out toward the June LSAT. All right, let's dive into the show. Uh, Ben, this email came in just as a question or a a, a, a listener email, and uh, I ended up nominating it for excuse of the week. Why don't you uh, go ahead and read it? Sure.
1: Nathan and Ben, I am so happy that I found the demon. I applied for a fee waiver and was denied, appealed, and got it overturned. Signed up for Demon Basic and working my way through everything. I did take the April test, and after listening and watching both of you, I have withdrawn my applications for this cycle and will be reapplying the next cycle. Wow, that's great. She bit the bullet and took the the hard step <laughs> yeah. that everybody seems to resist. I have learned a lot about when to apply and when not to apply. My first LSAT was in January, and I got an extremely low score of 134. Waiting for my April score to drop on the 28th. I'm going to sign up for the August test and then the October. I will be getting off the Colorado River the day before the June test, but will be with limited internet access. I am hoping that I can save enough money to upgrade to live for the month of July for some additional help. Thank you again,
0: Jennifer. Do you see why I nominated this for excuse of the week? Yeah. You what do you have to say there? about it?
1: <laughs> Her excuse for not taking the June test is that she will be getting off the Colorado River the day before. Um, what's wrong with having a good night's sleep and taking the test the next day?
0: Yeah. I mean, we specifically tell people a couple things. One, don't study the day before the test. So, yep. last day of your trip fine we also only really ask people for one high quality hour a day of studying so if you're taking stuff with you on the river i don't see why you can't be studying for an hour a day in camp or whatever um assuming you're making the lsat a priority in your life which is required i mean that's just that's that's the price of admission we we specifically tell people to take every consecutive test once they're ready, right? And, you know, she thinks she was ready enough to take the April test. She's waiting for her April score. So our default assumption is you should also take June and also take then August. We also tell people apply at the very beginning of the cycle if you can. And her plan here, you know, she waited a cycle, which is great. She's listening to part of our advice but her plan here now involves taking the August and then the October test, which October test is not, that's not ideal if you're trying to go to law school the following year, not to say that it's impossible, but it's not, it's not our, it's not our advice. So, yeah,
1: well, I, and that's, that's the thing I think Jennifer needs to realize. If, if, if you looked at this decision in isolation, I don't know if I'd cry about it too much. Okay, you you got some stuff going on before the June test, fine. Take it some other time. But you have to realize what you're giving up. You're giving up one of your two chances to take it before the application cycle begins. That's, there's not many opportunities left. So... What, what's the trade-off here just so you can Plus, you're not going to make a lot of progress the week before the test anyway. Right. It's not like this is your your yeah, it's the game-changing week. That's just another week. You yeah. can plan right now and start studying right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I appreciate it that she's on a budget and she's trying to save up money to upgrade to live for the month of July. But I think she's thinking about that kind of backward, right? I mean, if you were going to only do one month of live in the demon, I would rather you do that at the beginning of your prep, not like the last minute in your prep.
1: Yeah, that's something I've been telling people for years. People do it all the time with tutoring, too. They're like, hey, I think I'm going to get a couple hours right before the test. It's like, no. (laughs) <laughs> if you can only get two hours of tutoring, not that I even suggest tutoring these days, but if you're going to get that, get it now. Get yourself going in the right direction so that you can make the most of the time you have between now and right. the test. Not right before, where you could then learn some
0: <laughs> Oops. magic secrets. I've been doing it wrong all along. Yeah. Yeah. It's the right. We're going to teach you how to study time is your most valuable resource and we're going to help you make the most of that resource. But that the value of what we have to say is higher at the beginning of your process, not at the end of your process. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm, yeah, I'm just, I worry, you know, I want Jennifer to do well, but I'm worried that she's uh, going to wait till the last minute here with, you know, and <laughs> like, If she doesn't get it done in August, then now she's going to be taking the October test. And she already listened to our advice and waited one cycle because, well, it sounds like she was extremely late in the last cycle. You know, a 134 in January is like a zero. That's completely worthless. April is way too late to be trying to apply for this year. Like comedically too late. Tragically too late. So now she like thinks she's early for the next cycle but she's not she's like sort of up against it for the next cycle believe it or not she was so late for the previous cycle that now she's like still kind of late for the next cycle and I just think it's an error um, strategically to skip that June test good news is if she's listening to the podcast within a few days of launch uh, she still has time to sign up for that June test and uh, I would go ahead and do that if I if I was Jennifer yeah cool if, if you have an excuse of the week candidate you can email help at thinkinglsat.com or you can hit us up on social at thinkinglsat you find your uh email on a future show all right ready by to way, do a yeah
1: yeah so regarding that invitation by the way i know we 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 tend to beat you all up for your excuses but last night in class someone had a question and i can't remember the question now but he was hesitant to explain it because he said, I, it, it It sounds like it's an excuse. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I know we, <laughs> we jump all over these excuses, but I'd much rather you say it here in class and let's unpack your hidden concern and then, you know, blow it out of the water if we need to, than for you to like harbor it and not get rid of it. Right, like, and let's unpack it. Is it a legit concern, or is it not? Um, and figure out what to do about it. So, if you're struggling with anything, email help at thinkingelat dot com, bite the bullet, and let's decide what to do about what your concern is.
0: Sounds great. Ready to dive into this logical reasoning question?: Yeah. This is uh, from test seventy three section two. Question two, Janetta says, Increasingly, I've noticed that when a salesperson thanks a customer for making a purchase, the customer also says, thank you, instead of saying, you're welcome. I've even started doing that myself. But when a friend thanks a friend for a favor, the response is always, you're welcome.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'm guessing this is going to turn into a paradox
0: question. Yeah. Janetta didn't actually say I'm confused. But, you know, if you just think about what Janetta is is saying here, like why is Janetta has to have some sort of a purpose, right? Like what's like what Janetta? She's just a- talking. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it, it seems apparent that Janetta thinks that this is strange, right? Mm hmm. I Mm -hmm. because she has noticed this increasingly she has noticed it and Mm -hmm. she's even started doing it herself which does imply that she used to be like going into the safeway and buying stuff and then the cashier says thank you and she used to be going you're welcome which (laughs) is (laughs) extremely strange um but janetta thinks it's strange because when a friend thanks a friend for a favor, the response is always, you're welcome. Okay, and I I really like this question, I, I think, because it seems like natu- we have a natural response, right? If Janetta was your friend, what would you say to Janetta?
1: I would say, when a friend does a favor for you... <laughs> There's nothing for the friend to say. Thank you, like well, oh, thank you for letting me give you a favor. Whereas at the store, it seems like you're both helping each other out. Well,
0: yeah. If your buddy picks you up from the airport, they don't get anything out of that. I mean, they they you know the the warm fuzzy feeling, <laughs> the joy of, of doing yeah, your the joy of buddy helping. a favor or whatever, but like they if your friend picks you up and you're like thank you they're not going to say thank you for the privilege of letting me go to lax in traffic (laughs) and pick you up no thank you (laughs) super sarcastically (laughs) no man thank you a lot for you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the last five yeah, hours. when i one a.m. in the car. Thanks. Yeah, no. They're gonna say, "Nah, you're welcome, man. No problem. Whatever." You know, they're not. They're they're not gonna say. It. But at the store, so I, and now we're imagining having a conversation with our friend Janetta, right? Mm-hmm. We're explaining it to Janetta, like, "Well, Janetta, there's a difference. You see, when you buy something at the store." You're giving them money. They're thanking you for your business. Mm -hmm. They're They're giving you groceries. You're thanking them for the groceries. You're thanking each other because it's a transaction. And a favor is not a transaction like that. These are two different things. And like any normal, rational, just smart, reasonably smart person would have that discussion with Janetta. She's confused and you're going to just sort of naturally sort her out. Okay. There's no LSAT shit going on here, right? Nope. Just logic. Okay. It's just common sense. It's just basic common sense. I mean, it's not even. People sometimes get afraid of logic. Yeah. Right. Like, well, ooh, I don't know. I, I always, I did, I didn't take that formal logic class in college, so I'm bad at logic. No, you're not. This is common sense. It's just common sense. Actually, maybe they should be afraid of logic, right? <laughs> Most people are illogical. But anyways. <laughs> Yeah, but, and here, I mean, but that's, that's what you're like, that's a big part of the job of a lawyer is to just sort of make it make sense. Like you're going to be the one person who's going to actually understand shit. Mm -hmm. And Janetta, your friend Janetta, she's probably super sweet and funny and charming. She's not that bright, (laughs) you know, and you're going to just be like, hey, Janetta, well, and you have to explain it to her. But you know, Janetta, there's a difference between doing a favor and buying something at the store. (laughs) Anyway, which one of the following, if true, most helps to explain the discrepancy that Janetta observes in people's responses? So it does indeed turn out to be a paradox question. On a paradox question, I think of it in two steps. What's the mystery? Then how do we... Understand this mystery, or what's what you know? We're looking for an explanation for this mystery.
1: Yeah, and you've already answered. But those, we've already done it. Yeah, you've already answered those two questions.
0: Which, which you should, if you're properly tuned into LSAT logical reasoning. Yeah, you did it, Ben, automatically. Right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like you looked at Janetta's statement, and you were like, "Oh, Janetta's confused. This is probably a paradox question." One, what's she confused about? Well, she's confused about this difference, apparent discrepancy between how we verbally respond at the Safeway versus how we verbally respond to our friend picking us up at the airport. That's the mystery. Can we explain the mystery? Well, yeah, it's not even a mystery at all because those two things are just inherently different. One is money for goods. The other is just a pure favor for a friend those are two different things so of course we respond differently yeah all right now one of these five answers is going to describe that and it should be piece of cake here okay i'll let you i'll read the answer and let you respond to it Okay, customers regard themselves as doing salespeople a favor by buying from them as opposed to someone else okay this would
1: explain why customers say thank you but it would not explain why the sales
0: say thank you mm, try that again it would explain why customers say thank you yeah customers regard themselves customers regard themselves as doing sales people a favor therefore they oh, say I'm thank sorry. you why they say you're welcome
1: yeah it, bottom line is it, sorry, it so, explains a customer behavior. In this case, you're welcome, which is even further off than what I was initially even thinking about, as opposed to. Well, start
0: over. It, it doesn't, it, it, customers are saying thank you. So
1: customers are saying thank you as opposed to you're welcome. This explains why customers would say you're welcome, which they're not doing. So, on that sense, it's wrong. Right. I was just. Focus on the fact that it's explaining the customers and not the salespeople, but
0: but it's not. It's it's not complaining. It's it's actually making the paradox harder sure. to understand. Sure. Right? If it's true that customers regard themselves as doing salespeople a favor, then they should be saying yeah. you're welcome. But they're not. They're saying thank you. So A is like outside the paradox or what (laughs) i'm supposed to find an answer that makes it make sense why customers at the safeway are saying thank you that's what janetta was really concerned with if a is true then it makes it even harder to understand why customers are saying thank you okay b salespeople are often instructed by their employers to thank customers whereas customers are free to say what they want okay They could say whatever they want. Why do they say thank you? (laughs) Yeah, that's not any kind of an explanation. Nope. It's just like I get it. Sure, they're the Safeway checker is instructed to say thank you, so they, you know, begrudgingly say (laughs) thank you. But customers can say whatever the hell they want, and Janetta really that's the thing she's the most concerned with, right? I I don't think she, I don't think it doesn't make sense to her. Why the checker says, thank you. Yeah. The thing she's, she's really trying to understand. Why does the salesperson say thank Or sorry, why does the customer say thank you? Okay. And B doesn't, just saying they're free to say what they want. Isn't an explanation. Yeah. B, uh, sorry. C uh, salespeople do not regard customers who buy from them as doing them a favor. Okay.
1: So if they don't regard customers as doing them a favor, why are they saying thank you? Regardless, it doesn't explain why customers say thank you, which is, as you're saying, her main concern.
0: Yeah. Again, I see C as like only making it hard. Like, well, then if C's is true, salespeople mm-hmm. don't regard customers who buy from them as doing them a favor, then maybe they wouldn't say thank you yeah not only that but why are customers saying thank you good Uh, d the way that people respond to being thanked is generally determined by habit rather than by conscious decision okay but why do they have this habit (laughs) right
1: it doesn't explain why they're saying thank you
0: i I wouldn't be surprised to learn that that was the most commonly chosen wrong answer.
1: Yeah, because it hides the assumption that the habit is to say thank you, and so people make that assumption and then see like,
0: "Oh, it's explain it's explaining that behavior." On the new right, on the surface, it seems like an explanation. It's like, "Oh, well, the reason why is because it's out of habit, you see." Yeah rather than a conscious decision. It's just a habitual thing. But when you ask the follow-up question, the follow-up question, okay, but how did that become a habit? Yeah. Like, why is that the habit, rather than, you're welcome being the habit? What? So I think I we do see students like fall into that trap, where it's like a surface level, but there's nothing underneath it. If you ask one more question, there's nothing underneath it. We want an answer that really... <coughs> Makes it make sense. Yeah. E. In a commercial transaction, as opposed to a favor, the customer feels that the benefits are mutual.
1: Okay. So if the customer feels like the benefits are mutual, in other words, the customer is benefiting as well, then that would explain why the customer feels compelled to say thank you.
0: But Ben... The words commercial transaction never appear in Janetta's argument. I didn't pick it because it didn't say commercial transaction.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Let's go through them again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a salesperson and a customer. That's a commercial transaction.
0: Yeah. uh, Words have meaning beyond the word them the word itself right like yeah what is a commercial transaction or even if the word commercial scares you off yeah what is a transaction well i think everybody would understand that a transaction is some sort of an exchange yeah money for goods or one baseball player for another baseball player it's a trade right it's a transaction and so In a commercial transaction, which a salesperson and a customer at a store, they are making a transaction. It says a purchase. A purchase is a transaction. Yeah. Okay. So that is, it's on target. Like we are talking about a commercial transaction and then it says as opposed to a favor, which is. That's the perfect beginning for an answer, right? Because it's a, it's like, well, on the one hand, in a transaction, and on the other hand, in a favor, and these are different, you see. Yeah. Because in the commercial transaction, the customer feels that the benefits are mutual, as opposed to a favor where they don't. Yep. And so, E is basically saying it, it's exactly what we predicted, which was, well, it's a favor. It's a different. There's a difference. You're not buying goods. Yeah okay and that's the answer cool anything else to say about this question or paradox questions generally
1: um no make sure you know exactly what the problem is that's how i fucked up answer choice a i was like had a different question in my head so mm, interesting yeah i was like trying to explain why both of them did it so as soon as i saw that a didn't address both of them i was like okay we're done <laughs> oh and then it was like, wait, the question is actually, why does the customer say thank you, not why do they both say thank you? Yeah. Um. I mean, not that A even explains why the customer says thank you. It explains why the customer would say, you're welcome. But, right. um, but like, if my initial question had been correct, either one of those things would make an answer bad, and I'm just like moving so fast that it's like, oh, I'm done. But I had the wrong question in my head
0: yeah we're really not supposed to be explaining the salesperson's behavior i think janetta takes that as obvious of course the salesperson is going to say yeah, the salesperson is taking money into their hand yep uh thank you yeah <laughs> that's not that's not what Jeanetta's curious about Janetta's is curious about why she's saying thank you when she takes her groceries yep uh, but she would say you're welcome if uh, somebody picks her up at the airport that's the thing that she's really trying to figure out and yeah, a makes it actually worse uh, in that regard. yeah so the answer turns out to be e. I like paradox questions. I think I find paradox questions to be fun yep and therefore easy or maybe easy, therefore fun. <laughs> um, but you can see them coming a mile away you have an apparent discrepancy. Sometimes there's a speaker like here. Janetta was, you know, confused. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is no speaker. Yeah. It could just, or like no, uh, named person. It could just be like, well, on the one hand, this, and on the other hand, that, and they don't really seem to add up. Yeah. You should then, if you're, you know, if you've been practicing for any length of time, you should already be thinking, Oh, this is probably going to just be a paradox question. And then it's pretty simple what's the mystery what's the explanation and lots of times like here you could just predict an answer that's pretty damn close yeah so that's that uh time to dive into the mailbag ben why don't you uh, take this first one
1: sure hello thank you for providing a great service to students via the thinking else at podcast and the demon what can i do and or tell myself to make sure I am processing each word of a given problem in an exacting manner on the LSAT. I've noticed a failure to do this has tripped me up here and there across sections in recent practice. I know there is no magic bean you can give me for this. Right now, I'm mentally at a place where I hear Nathan's voice go, that's not lawyer shit, and then Ben's voice go, but forgive yourself and move on. Interesting. I've managed to stop myself from making a few similar mistakes by, shocker, slowing down and rereading. I'm wondering if this essentially summarizes the advice you might give or if there's something else I should consider as well. So the question is, So I just want to clarify this. Make sure I'm processing each word of a given problem in an exacting manner. I think some of this does come with experience, like you read a sentence, you think you understand it precisely, and then you get burned, and then you go back and you see what word or phrase you treated loosely, right, that you should have more carefully noticed or paid attention to. That said, one test for me, or a litmus test, litmus test for me is whether I, I clearly see what the sentence is saying, and sometimes when that clarity is not there, that is what invites me to go back into the sentence and dig around a little bit more. Are, are we talking about most people? Or are we
0: only talking about some of them? Was this even mentioned, for example? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's always a test of reading comprehension. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's a section called reading comp, but LR and games are also tests of your reading comprehension because lawyers largely read. I mean, that's what they do every single day is read and write. And if you miss questions on the LSAT, uh, Ben, what do you think? What percentage of all mistakes on LSAT questions come from misreading? That's a good question, and this is... I'll take the over on whatever you say.
1: Okay. Um, This is just my gut sense, not based on any study, obviously, but I would say that most people, when they're starting out, um, it's probably 60-40. In other words, 60% of your mistakes are coming from misreading. 40% are misunderstanding of logic. But then I would say that that percentage increases over time mm. in other words as people understand the rules and like oh, oh okay i get it i get it some means at least one those logical errors go away and it's fundamentally a misunderstanding of what was said
0: yeah i we'd have to do some i mean some science i suppose to to try to figure this out i was going to say it's more like 90 percent i mean you literally can't miss on reading comp, especially, right? hmm If you read the passage and you read the question and you read the right answer and you read the wrong answer, you can't miss the question. Like, it's, <laughs> if you read it properly, there's only one possible right answer. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, there's hard ones, but I'm I I think ninety percent of those questions are easy. And if you missed any of those, it's probably because you just didn't read something right. I mean, you either read the passage poorly, the question poorly, the wrong and then you have to you have to make two reading errors to miss the question. You had to misread the right answer that you didn't pick, and you have to also misread the wrong answer that you did pick. Yeah. And it's just it's not lawyer shit. That is not what lawyers do. Lawyers read every word on the page. Lawyers are super annoying to do business with because they're going to catch every single thing you have wrong in your document. And you do like the MBAs have their contract all ready to go. You know, Oh, here's our deal. We got it. It's all perfect. Let's go. And the lawyers like, hold on a second. Mm -hmm. What? yeah this doesn't mean what you what does this mean what is this this is an incomplete sentence what is that what is this other you know like and they've got 10 errors on the first page of the document yeah they haven't even read the second page yet because they're so careful about reading the first page and it's like well yeah you're just not if you're missing my hypothesis i think this is gonna i mean you said 60 percent, so it is more than half the time we agree if you missed a question, our our fundamental hypothesis is gonna be, you probably didn't read it right. Yeah.
1: By the way, I wanna say something about this. <laughs> Ben's voice says, but forgive yourself and move on. <laughs> Good. Um, I, I, don't accur- <laughs> I don't think that accurately. <laughs> Not for that. I don't think that accurately- for that. Captures what I'm trying to tell you. There's a difference between forgiving yourself right. and moving on, like, okay, on to net or whatever's next and forgiving your like not beating yourself up but instead focusing on learning from that mistake that's what I I feel like when people are angry or something like that they're like not focusing on the solution they're like upset with something that's already said and done. It's like, it's over. So now let's focus on what we can do to avoid that in the future. Forgive yourself and move on to me. Sounds like for forget about it. No, don't forget about it. You got to learn from that mistake. Just don't be upset about it, I guess, or like caught up in the
0: stupidity of all that. I, I never want people beating themselves up for bad scores. But I kind of do want you to beat yourself up for your casual reading errors.
1: Yeah, I guess I would say, I mean, I think what you're trying to do is use that negative emotion to motivate them to focus in the future, right? Well, stop doing
0: that. Yeah. Like, I can't help you if you're going to misread shit. There's nothing I can do. I can keep yelling at you to stop misreading it. But like, half of the mistakes you're making are because you didn't read that one right. I can't... I just... It happens all the time. It happens in every context. It happens on easy questions and hard questions. It happens with low-level students and high-level students. It happens in private tutoring. It happens in classes where it's just like the standard... It's almost like an excuse that people think it's okay. Like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I missed that one because I didn't read it right. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. (laughs) It's like, well, what? What? What do you think this is? What do you think we're supposed to be? What is the whole yeah, yeah. point of this exercise? Like they're testing your English and your carefulness. So if you're not a good reader, this just might not be the right field for you, but I don't think that that's the case. In most cases, it's not that you're not a good reader. It's that you're not being careful enough about the reading that you're doing in this context. So I guess my response to a more than anything else is, you know, how do I know I am processing each word of a given problem in an exacting manner? Well, did you get it right? If you got it right, then good. Then you apparently read it in an exacting manner. And when you missed it, then it's like I'm saying at least three quarters of the time. The reason why you missed it is because you made at least one and probably two, maybe more than two, reading errors. And so it's it's like, now I don't know how to train you to, I'm not sure if I know how to train you to do it in the moment, which might be what A is asking. Like Yeah, yeah, I know I get it. If I missed it, then I misread it. But how do I know that I am reading it in the mo- <laughs> in the moment? Well, that's where I was saying, do you clearly see what is being
1: said? Because if I don't feel like I can clarify it in my own head, I can't visualize it clearly, then that's a signal to me that I'm either missing something from from the sentence or the sentence is inherently vague, which does happen sometimes, but that's a conscious... Decision I'm coming to as I complete the sentence. Like, I'm like, oh, well, that word is a little vague, and so this person could mean this or they could mean that, but I'm aware of that as opposed to being unaware of that because there's a lot of times where you could be like, hey, what exactly is being said here? And then you go back, and it is said,
0: and then you know it, and other people don't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe as an example, Ben, going back to um, Janetta, in the logical reasoning question we just had, right? Janetta goes, increasingly, I've noticed that when a salesperson thanks a customer for making a purchase, the customer also says, thank you. Instead of saying you're welcome. Okay. Stop there. We don't Ben. If you don't have that in front of you, what did Janetta just say? That's all right. I don't have it in front of me. She just
1: said that the person (laughs) who's, uh, the customer who's buying the good is saying, thank
0: you rather than you're welcome. Yeah. Uh, you've like, <clears throat> without having the page in front of you, without just like parroting, like rereading mm-hmm. it to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you've internalized it enough to understand, right? A, a parent. And, and also I think you would get like Janetta had started with increasingly. Right. So Yeah. She seems to be like, this is a trend that she has noticed. Mm -hmm. She seems confused. And I, I don't know. So maybe that's one test here for a is like, well, can you cover it up? Or can you turn it, if you turned away and thought about explaining it to a friend, would you be able to explain what was just said? If not, you have no business going on to the next thing that Janetta says.
1: Yeah. And it's often not instantaneous. Like I think that's, that sometimes messes people up because they like feel that they need to be able to regurgitate what was said instantaneously. And I do find that there's a little bit of processing going on. It's like, it takes a half second for me to turn those words into a visualization and then turn around and start describing what, I'm seeing in my head. I mean, this happens all the time. Someone tells you a story, you go and you tell it to someone else. And how many times have we all said, well, I don't know exactly what I, what the person said, but the idea was (laughs) they, they weren't happy with this. Like that's because your brain got the fundamental message you got the image in your head even though you don't remember the exact words that were used to express that anger or disappointment or whatever that's what's happening to me as i'm taking the test i'm reading the words and then translating them into yeah. an idea and then when i'm going through the answer choices or the passage i'm referring to that idea not the exact words that were used
0: no, in your passage this is not a direct quote you're paraphrasing, right? You're going to put yeah. it into your own words and you might even take it out of the context that Janetta initially meant it in, as long as you get the gist of what she's saying. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't have to be a salesperson and a customer and a purchase. And you know, it could be like, well, we got somebody who's buying something from somebody else and, I've noticed that there's this exchange of "thank you, thank you" instead of "thank you, you're welcome." Yeah. What's up? Right. Yep. Yeah. So, and maybe that's the the number one takeaway for for a is um, you know can you stop and put it into your own words and feel like you've got a handle on what was said? Yeah. Cause if you can't, then you, you maybe don't get it. And we, we take pauses frequently. I mean, we, like people who are good at this stuff, we don't just read one sentence and go immediately into the next and immediately into the next. We read a sentence and yeah. And this is actually it. Sorry, not to double down on this, but this
1: is exactly why I fucked up that last question because you said what the question was. And I <laughs> just went along with that. It's like reading without paying attention. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's the question. That's the issue. Let's carry on. Failing to realize that I had not clarified it in my own head.
0: Right. Um, okay, thank you, A, for writing in. Hopefully that was helpful. Uh, this one is kind of funny. You ready, Ben, for a funny story uh, sure. about Proctor? U? Yeah. Yeah. I was amused by this. I don't think that Stephanie was very amused, but this is a a, a pretty long email from Stephanie. Hey, Thinking LSAT, I hope everything is going well. I've got a story about my experience with ProctorU. Last night, I took the LSAT here in Japan. I was scheduled for 7.30 p.m. JST. I reserved a hotel for the exam since my apartment doesn't have many doors and is very open which I have heard Proctor U dislikes since it isn't a confined space. We have multiple reports of this, by the way Ben, of Proctor U proctors requiring people to like or asking people to move around furniture and stuff. Like, "Oh, no, it has to be facing either facing the door or facing away from the door. I can't remember, <laughs> but I've also heard that if you just say this shit's too heavy, I can't move it." then they eventually just let you do whatever you want. So it's just stupid over, you know, too many rules. um, Yeah. With this online proctoring. But anyway, um, so Stephanie went ahead and reserved a hotel, um, which I think in a lot of cases you can get the LSAC to pay for. Uh, I don't know if Stephanie did that or not. Anyway, um, I took off work around uh, 12.30 p.m. Wow, seven hours before the test and went straight to the hotel. I went there early because I wanted to give myself time to relax and feel comfortable before the exam. The hotel room is much smaller compared to the ones in the U.S. There was one bed with a small desk next to it. The desk was a floor desk with a floor cushion instead of a chair, which is very common. Much of Japanese sitting culture is still floor based. So it was finally time to hit start on ProctorU's website. I was connected to a proctor pretty quickly via the text chat function. They asked me to do a 360 view of the room and asked me where I would be sitting. I told them I could sit on the floor cushion or the bed. The proctor responded that I must have a chair to proceed. I asked if I could sit on a trash can that was in the room. I really (laughs) didn't want to lose out on the money that I spent on the hotel and the hours I took off work. Okay. So this is coming out of Stephanie's own pocket. She did not get the LSAC to pay for the hotel room. Yeah. The proctor again said that I needed a chair and sent me a copy and paste quote you will need to reschedule have a great day message
1: have a great day who wrote that (laughs) oh god this is our canned response you will need to reschedule have a great day completely tone deaf
0: yeah i started to freak out and immediately asked to speak with a manager i usually hate to do that kind of thing but i felt the need to stand my ground it was already an hour past my test time and the, origi- the initial proctor didn't respond until I messaged them four times asking if they were still connected with me. They finally responded that they were trying to get in touch with the management. <laughs> I'm curious, Ben, what is 730JST in like uh, EST? Do you know the translation? Uh, no, but let's take a look. All right, I'll keep reading. You can maybe look that up about 45 uh, minutes later yeah i got it oh you got it what is it That's six thirty a.m eastern time okay so yeah we don't expect lsac to actually be in the office although they only offer the test like three days per what it's three days every, every eight, eight months month or and sorry and eight times every a year month and a half yeah yeah you could have people on call mm, right i could have somebody there Maybe. Anyway, about 45 minutes later, so now we're an hour and 45 after the scheduled start time for Stephanie, mm-hmm. a new proctor was added to the chat. I explained the situation to them and they told me again that I couldn't take the exam sitting on the cushion or the bed. Apparently, Elsac set this guideline. I started to get very upset and cried. The new proctor then said that they needed to contact LSAC to get a waiver for me to take the exam on the bed. It was now two hours after my exam should have started. The new proctor kept me updated every couple minutes to let me know that LSAC had not yet responded. About 30 minutes later, the new proctor received approval from LSAC that I could take the exam while sitting on the bed. So now, wait—that's two and a half hours after seven thirty. That's nine a.m. Eastern time. Nine a.m. <laughs> so nine a.m. Somebody rolls into the LSAC <laughs> headquarters. Like, wait, what? We got a we got a student what? in I have Japan. Have a thousand messages from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> kind of seems like what happened. Uh, It's—I mean, you know—that it's exactly nine a.m. Eastern. Yeah. All right. Uh, I asked if I could use the restroom before the test started and the proctor allowed me to do so. Then everything went on as if nothing was different. I don't understand why someone needs a chair. I feel like this is very discriminatory. I personally don't have a chair in my apartment. Again here in Japan. I have floor cushions. With a chair, I could hide Ben underneath and cheat. But with a bed that lays flat on the floor without any space between the bed and the floor, I couldn't hide anyone. Hopefully you will all you all will help me to understand why LSAC would require a chair. All in all, I am glad that I was able to take the exam, but I don't think I performed my best. Thanks for the podcast and for creating the demon best Stephanie. And then I told her that it was going to go on the show. And so she uh, responded with a follow up. Uh, I did some searching on LSAC's website and found their Q&A about where should I take the test, and it does mention a hard surface, but nothing about a chair. Quote, Choose a quiet, well-lit, private work area where you can complete the test without interruption. A hard work surface is required. It is very important to have a strong and stable internet connection in order to have a successful remote testing experience. Ensure that your workspace is clean and clear of all prohibited items. Your entire face must be clearly visible throughout the test. Once you begin testing, do not move out of view of the webcam or change working environments until the test is over. So it doesn't actually mention a chair on the information that was provided to the test taker. This is very lawyerly, by the way, of Stephanie to be like digging up the the actual text. Um, not that it did anything for her in the moment. <laughs> yeah. okay, I did want to ask you about this, Ben. Um, she says, I'm wondering if I should lodge a complaint with ElsAC. There are two types of complaints or two options for the type of complaint you're going to lodge. So it's either an official complaint or a not official complaint. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it's, it's radio buttons. You have to pick official complaint Mm -hmm. or not official complaint. Okay. Official complaint. Please investigate my issue and concerns. They've got and capitalized there. (laughs) Um, I realize that a hold will be placed on my file again on On is capitalized this is bizarre (laughs) it is bizarre which may delay the reporting of my lsat score and cas law school reports and they've got of and and capitalized so on of and and and's capitalized twice of and on are each also capitalized okay Don't you know that rule, Ben, that you're supposed to capitalize all prepositions? (laughs) Yeah, it's like the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only word that would never be capitalized. Yeah, and they've capitalized them. Okay. Okay. Okay, anyways, I realize a hold will be placed on my file, which may delay the reporting of my LSAT score and Credential Assembly Service Law School reports pending the review of my official complaint. Note, if you then select this option you and then are running together and the then is capitalized. So they are still going with the preposition (laughs) capitalization rule. You will be able to choose whether to keep your score or cancel your score at the conclusion of LSAC's review of your complaint. If LSAC's investigation confirms your complaint and you decide to cancel your score, you will receive a coupon to use for a future LSAT. So that's option one. Okay. Official complaint delay potentially all your shit, still get the option to cancel once they've resolved your complaint. And if you do cancel, you get a free LSAT. That's the official complaint. Do you get to know your LSAT score? No. Uh, I mean, it doesn't say you get to know your LSAT score. I can't imagine that that would be the case. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That was just curious. Just confirming. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't say, but I, I can't imagine... (laughs) Anyway, this is not an official LSAT complaint. That's radio button number two. This is not an official LSAT complaint, but I want to provide feedback about my test day experience. Please use this information to improve the LSAT experience going forward. Hmm. I understand that a hold will not be placed on my file and that additional options, e.g. extension of the cancellation period or a coupon for a future test, will not be provided to me. So... Yeah, that's a choice. How would you like LSAC to address your issue? It's either official complaint or not official complaint. Then, wait, what? If LSAC's review confirms your complaint, oh, you have to decide in advance. If they confirm your complaint, which I don't even know what that means. (laughs)
1: they confirmed that your complaint was legitimate and demands action i guess
0: what would it mean for them to confirm we confirm that you have complained yeah (laughs) well if they're going to confirm the complaint and decide that that means that they need to take action what action would that be But you have to decide in advance whether I would like to keep my LSAT score or I would like LSAC to cancel my score and issue me a coupon to use for a future LSAT. And apparently you have to decide now. Note, if LSAC does not confirm your complaint, so this is if LSAC confirms your complaint, then you have these choices. Then a note, if LSAC does not confirm your complaint, you will still have the option to keep or cancel your score at that time. However, you will not receive a coupon to use for a future LSAT.
1: Okay, so the first question is, should you keep your score or should you cancel your score? we got to talk about that, right? And that really comes down to, in my mind, in general, we'd say keep the score because... Hey, this is a shot that you took at the apple, and, and uh, maybe you did well, and you can use that to your advantage. My exception to that rule would be how many tests do you have left? This could be an opportunity to get another chance to take it, right? For example, if Stephanie has taken it four times and she only has one more chance, could this add to her number of chances, or does it not? Because it is a canceled score with an option to take it again that still counts against
0: your your limit, right? They're like, they're so, they have overly complicated rules to begin with, right? Yeah. If they eliminated the test limit, that would really help. Because it would just then, we wouldn't even have to be talking about this. Well, does it count or does it not count if I cancel because they fucked up? Like, you confirm my complaint and I cancel my score. Surely that shouldn't count against the test limits, but they don't bother to explain it here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they just, it's like they don't think through their own shit.
1: Well, and this is so poorly written. It's just a bizarre experience compared to the test, which is so precise. Right right people complain about the test and all the all its well, wordiness yeah, but it, it's <laughs> precise in exactly what is correct or wrong
0: it's clear that we have different people making the actual test and the people who make all of lsac's policies and web pages and all very that. different yeah that's just there's no way in hell that the same person who wrote <laughs> that logical reasoning question <laughs> approved of capitalizing all the prepositions in this web form um the, I wouldn't... I have no idea how to answer this. It's ridiculous. Um, as far as the difference between an official complaint and not an official complaint, it seems like the only real difference is you get delayed... Potential delay of your score. Delay of your CAS reports. Yep. Which, as we record on April 20th... should matter. Of 2021. It shouldn't matter... That's what I told Stephanie is like, well, the delay doesn't matter to you because you're applying for 20, by the way,
1: this set, you know, this cycle, (laughs) I mean, this this, this upcoming cycle as opposed to the current cycle. Right. So who cares?
0: Unless Stephanie has lost her mind and is trying to get into law school this fall, which she absolutely should not be, then she doesn't care about that delay. And so if you don't care about the delay, then it does open up the possibility that you will receive this magic coupon for a future LSAT. So I told her, I think this sounds like an official complaint. Do you agree?
1: I agree because you preserve the option to get that coupon for a future test.
0: That's the only really, that's the only It's weird though. You have
1: to make that decision now. So then (laughs) (laughs) you can't even see what they have to say about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because actually to go back to the cancellation issue, which you were talking about first. Yeah. I don't think she should probably cancel. She doesn't think that she did her best, but who cares? Law schools only care about your highest score. She sat through it. She made it through the test. Students are notoriously bad at prognosticating how well or how poorly they did on the test.
1: Yeah. Now, if she felt like she did poorly and it was her fifth attempt and she's done, uh, then maybe I would say cancel. If If she's out of attempts. If you can take it again. But we still don't even know that very clearly, right? Sometimes canceled scores still count towards your limit. In fact, I think that's the norm. But if there was a legitimate complaint, you'd assume that a cancellation would not count towards their limit. I don't know. I'd love some clarification on that.
0: (laughs) They never make it clearer, do they? It's like it always gets muddier. Yeah. Um, Whatever happened to that uh, director of
1: Consumer Delight? Uh, (laughs) If you're laughing at that, that is their official title or that was the official title that they posted for a job
0: what a year ago oh they were hiring maybe they still are looking they haven't found the right (laughs) candidate to delight consumers (laughs) oh boy i mean they are kind of it is kind of delightful in like an unintentional comedy sort of a way
1: Yeah, and they have I would say they have changed, right? There was the the LSAC of old, the LSAC of lore was like don't (laughs) fuck with us. It was like can I I'm I I, No you can't. You know, yeah, it was the answer was always no. (laughs) Right. For accommodations, for everything. But there was something nice about that totalitarian regime back then. I mean it was predictable.
0: Yeah, I mean, the they still are kind of predictable, though, because we predicted this next one. This is a further LSAC hijinks. Uh, this is an update on LSAC not knowing their own rules about oh, where okay. the testing yeah. cycle sure, resets sure. in 2021 um, without spending too much time on it. Maybe you can just read uh, Brittany from Tennessee. Just read up, read her email here.
1: Yeah. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I just listened to your podcast about the new testing cycle
0: and panicked. I've taken the LSAT. Maybe yeah. Can I, I'll just give a little bit of background yeah. for people who aren't up to speed on this. We've been talking about it the last couple episodes, but they magic, they not magically mysteriously just all of a sudden had a web page posted that said that the testing cycle in 2021 resets before the August test instead of before the June test. It was always for, I mean, for at least as we've been talking about this for quite a while that the test resets on May 31st. Now, when they eliminated the restriction briefly, mm-hmm. we didn't have to talk about that anymore. But when they reinstituted the restriction of how many times you could take the test, they have an arbitrary deadline of May 31st where that cycle resets. They somehow just changed it mm-hmm. without telling anybody, well, without you know really any announcement or whatever. And so we've got all these panicking students that we're trying to help. Um, and so that's what Brittany is panicking about okay uh, whether she's going to be allowed to take the june test
1: <laughs> why did she sign her name Brittany from tennessee people need to start doing that more often i guess just tell <laughs> like us where that. you're from yeah um I, like that. I just listened to your podcast about the new testing cycle and panicked i have taken the test the lsat three times in the past cycle she took it october november and february and was planning on taking the June test to hopefully get off the wait list. Okay, yeah, so she's hit her three time max in a cycle, and now that cycle has been extended to August, so she can't take it in June based on this new reset. I have been studying but have been waiting to sign up until closer to the deadline in case I miraculously got off the wait list before then. Okay, I would just
0: commit to it. I would commit to getting off the, I would, I mean, our response to you're on the wait list is good. Withdraw. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. wait list is you're not admitted, withdraw, reapply the next cycle.
1: Yeah. You're you're not going to get anything good, right? You're right. If you're getting off the wait list, they're like, yeah, sure, sure. Come to our school for full freight or even half freight is bad.
0: That's the problem is. Imagine you're trying to date someone. And their response is, uh, "Well, I've got this boyfriend. Mm, you know, uh, you could maybe you could be on the wait list in case I ever break up with him." <laughs> <laughs> That's not the offer you want, no, right? That's no. like, okay, never mind. I'm gonna go back to the drawing board, <laughs> like you you might reapply next cycle if you discover that she did break up with him but if not you there's other options out there in the world and you know you could also work on yourself in the meantime and try again in a few months but you don't need to just be sitting there on the wait list waiting to get in i i think it's really rare that people actually i don't think you want if now if it's harvard maybe but if it's whatever, you know, regional school in Tennessee, or if it's University of Tennessee, even, which is a good law school, but not a f- wonderful, fantastic law school, mm-hmm. if you get in off the wait list, they're going to be like, yeah, pay us $40,000 a year. I don't think that's what you want. Yeah. Anyway, she does want to take the June test regardless, which would be great for applying this coming cycle, right? Right. It's perfect for applying this coming cycle. So she
1: continues, I've been studying, but I've been waiting to sign up. yeah, Okay, I just read that. After listening, I went straight to the LSAC website, and it would not let me sign up. Wow, they are committing. Mm. Because before, we had some people who could sign up, right? Yeah, wait for it. I am in tears. Oh, we've had two people cry this episode. It says, (laughs) test-taking limitation reached, and then has a link for the test-taker policy. I am planning on call, I'm planning on calling Elsac this morning to express my anger and see what they say. Any other suggestions? Do you think Elsac will change their policy? Kindest regards, Brittany from Tennessee. Thank you for the kind regards. I asked what happened. Yeah, of course we want to know what you uh, <laughs> what happened. Hi Nathan, That's the representative me. had no idea how the rule had even changed. I had explained to her. I had to to explain it to her and why it was a big deal. She then just told me to file an appeal. I immediately filed a strongly worded appeal and was approved within three hours for me to take the June (laughs) exam. Okay. Okay.
0: (laughs) That's that. So they created a problem for themselves Apparently they still don't know that they've done it. Yeah. But if you kick and scream and complain and cry, then they they, in three hours can just give it to you on an appeal.
1: There you go. Uh, Brittany, I hope you're getting that June test for this upcoming cycle. Uh, Which means, by the way, you may have just fought for something that you shouldn't have. Like, if you're not ready to take the test, but you're only taking it because it's your last shot, then maybe you shouldn't even
0: be taking it. But she should get ready for the June test. If you're not right now ready for the June test, you better get ready for the June test Uh, because you want to take it in June and August and then reapply. That would be ideal.
1: But if you're not ready for june then you should cancel and take it when you're ready
0: she's already taken it three fucking times i hope she's like i hope so too
1: uh (laughs) but i could see someone (laughs) doing that and not having their best score on record or even close
0: yeah well especially the type of people who think it's good to sneak in off the wait list at the last minute yeah not not to shit on britney from tennessee because i know she's like well-meaning and all that but it's like you yeah you you need to get ready you you need to work hard you need to make sure you knock june out of the park uh you should also sign up for august as a backup and you should apply in the very beginning of september for the next cycle Uh, if you do that much better things are going to happen to you than if you squeak in off the wait list it's lazy It's just lazy to squeak in off the wait list at the last minute. Like uh, law does not reward laziness. And I just don't think it's going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. If that's how you begin your legal career. Uh, All right. We got a whole bunch more emails. Hey, Ben and Nathan hope all is well. I'm a first year undergraduate student hoping to go to law school. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months. And I absolutely love it. Thank you. I was hoping if you could talk about what younger listeners like freshmen and sophomores in college can do to prepare for the LSAT. I want to start studying ASAP, but I was wondering if you might think, uh, sorry, if you think it might be too early since I won't be taking the LSAT for at least another two years. I'm worried that studying for this long period of time might exhaust me, or I might simply forget the material. I would appreciate some advice on how to train myself for the LSAT in the next few years before I actually start studying for the exam. P.S. I read on LSAC's website that they count A-plus as 4.33 in UGPA. I was wondering if that is true or not because I've been busting my ass to get those A-pluses. Book recommendations are also highly appreciated. Best wishes, S. What do you want to say to S? A... First year undergraduate student who wants to start the LSAT grind. We've gotten this email
1: or a similar kind of email recently. Uh, It just kind of surprises me. I guess these people really plan ahead. I would first make sure you really want to go to law school. And then, once are you going to know that in the next two years? I mean, can you know that now?
0: We always go down that rabbit hole we don't advocate anybody to go to law school but (laughs) it's a fact that a lot of people do go to law school and i think we have to acknowledge that it is the right decision for some people that's not really our job to decide i think our advice is probably best if we just assume that this is the right path for us having noted that we don't know whether it's whether it is or not
1: I'm just surprised we've, because it's I so I think we've early. just done the
0: discussion too many times. Yes, you're very young. It's too early for you to decide you want to be a lawyer. I hope you pick some other career path. Okay. That said. Well,
1: we've also done this discussion a million times. I mean, why why are you planning to do the test so far out? If you're going to take the test, take it when you're ready. It's good for 5 years.
0: Right. So exactly. And I think that's the thing that S hasn't quite gotten yet from listening to the podcast is if the test is good for five years, then you don't really need to wait for at least another two years before you take the test. And it might be that your freshman year or your sophomore year is the best time for you to study. I mean, sometimes those are the hardest years of college, but sometimes those are the easiest years of college. I think frequently they are the least busy years of college. And so if you've got time or like your summers, right? Summer between freshman and sophomore year, for example, might be the best time you're going to take some shitty job or something i had a really stupid like warehouse job my summer between my freshman and sophomore year wasn't good for anything you know make nine dollars an hour there's no point in doing that if you have better shit to do and studying for the lsat is certainly better shit to do so yeah i wouldn't be against s starting the prep process now getting to the point where they're happy with their scores practice scores, and then just get the official test out of the way. You could focus on your grades for your junior and senior year, instead of trying to balance your grades and your LSAT prep for your junior and senior year. We don't recommend that you do anything uh, other than LSAT prep. If you're trying to prep for the LSAT, we do recommend reading generally. Great. Uh, book recommendations are highly appreciated and I've been reading a lot I got a library card and I've been checking out like just anything that seems even remotely interesting I have friends who are reading this Patrick Rothfuss uh, series it it is kind of like a beefier version of Harry Potter I loved the first book uh, which was called The Name of the Wind and I am now uh (laughs) I'm now 450 pages into 1100 pages of the second book, which is called the wise man's fear. I really love it. I haven't even been watching TV because I'm so much into my book and that's more than anything. That's what you need to be looking for. Like my, my global book recommendation is, I mean, I'm happy to tell you what I'm reading, but you might hate it but if you you'll know you've found the right book when it's the one that where you you choose it instead of netflix or you've got it on your nightstand and you end up reading for i I go to bed and i read for like two hours before i go to sleep sometimes because i'm just Mm. into my book yeah and that's what we're looking for so um I, I have a really wide tastes i read fiction and nonfiction and all sorts of different stuff but uh i will try to throw out more of those book recommendations as we go along since i'm uh, fired up about reading these days yeah yeah, cool cool um as far as the a plus thing
1: i don't know i don't know about those technicalities i feel like it that seems new to- or-
0: yeah I haven't ever heard of anybody saying they had a four point two LSAC GPA. I mean, only and only recently have I heard people say, "I have a four. I have a four point oh three LSAC GPA." Hmm. But I have heard people say that. Oh, so apparently a pluses do count. I mean, and it says on LSAC's website now, not that that necessarily means that it is real, but it says on their website that an A plus counts as a 4.33. If I were you, S, I might screenshot that and date it and put it in a folder because, you know, you might be, you might find yourself four years from now appealing If they change their policy or whatever, that seems to be the way things are working now with the LSAC is that they have shifting policies and you might get denied by default. I mean, they actually have a history of doing this. This is what they used to do with accommodations, deny everybody and then have an appeal process. Mm -hmm. That seems to be what's going on right now with can I take the June test as my fourth attempt? Yeah. (laughs) right it's like the website is just not letting you register yeah so you're denied yeah and then oh just appeal and then three hours later they're like yep no problem well i can just see s you know i i like the screen grab option there like put it put it in a file yeah if you got an a plus this term put that screenshot that because four years from now you might be like hey i got that a plus relying on your website which said at the time that you count that as a 4.33 yeah And you're going to win on appeal, uh, I think, or at least having that evidence in your pocket is going to increase your chances. I know that this is like some weird dark fantasy, but I'm only making that hypothesis (laughs) based on, you know, and I'm not saying that is going to happen. I'm saying it's possible that that will happen. And that's based on my knowledge of,
1: well, it's not a lot of prep now. And it makes your job a lot yeah, easier quick in the screenshot.
0: Future. Yeah, absolutely. Gather evidence, absolutely. All right, you wanna take this next one? Thank you, S. Sure.
1: Hi, Ben and Nathan. I hope you are both well. I started studying for the LSAT about two months ago. One month with the demon and one month with the demon basic subscription. I'm assuming that's demon free, maybe?
0: Oh yeah, demon free. Um, okay, so if you, there's a lot there. I mean, I think you can actually do like a full month worth of prep with the resources that are just in maybe more than a month. I mean there's like there's multiple classes you can watch. There's yeah three tests you can take. There's there's a lot there. Yeah.
1: Okay, one month with Demon Free and one month with Demon Basic. I started with a diagnostic score of 151, but with improper studying practices, I progressively got worse over the course of a month and started scoring in the mid-140s.
0: Okay. Um, Small samples. I'm not really, I don't know that any of that means much, but. Sure. My most recent practice test scores
1: after a a full month with the demon average at 155. And I've found the sections get easier the more I drill. My goal is to reach at least the mid 160s in time for the June LSAT. I signed up for Nathan's June study group and I will have almost all day, every day from the start of May leading up to the June LSAT to study. Okay, am I being foolish, or is there a chance I can increase my score by another ten points or beyond between now and the June test? No, it's possible. Yeah, it's thanks, guys. Jay,
0: we're two thirds of the way through April. The June test—I'm not sure exactly when that is. Oh, the week of June June, 12th, but not super early. Mid June, week of June 12th, it says. So yeah, you've got almost two full months to study. Uh, I don't think everybody is going to improve by 10 points in two months, but I know some people are going to improve by 10 points in two months. You signing up for my June study group is a great start. By the way, that's free and open to everybody. All you need is a demon free account. Go to lsatdemon.com and uh, you can study with me every it's, 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 it's really fun. It's a class that I do on zoom uh, every Thursday between now and the June test. And I hope you'll come uh, take advantage of that.
1: Would you tell Jay to sign up for live? Well, I mean... I mean, he's free all day. true
0: Every day. Now, I don't want you... If you do do that, Jay, I mean, if you upgrade to live, and I don't want to make this just this commercial, but it's a free podcast. We are going to talk about our product. Well, okay, you can
1: talk about it as a commercial, but I I run into this problem all the time, and that is, like, the cost of going... It's just so cheap compared to all the other factors involved. I'm I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I I mean, people can hate us for it, but like you have this time. If you don't use it as effectively as you could, you're going to be
0: spending more
1: time and money
0: later. I I don't know. It's tough. Live demon live costs $295 a month, Jay. And if you really are going to be studying all day, every day, I think that that 295 a month would be a crazily good investment to maximize your study time between now and the June test. If you don't have those kind of resources, you're more than welcome in my June study group and demon free, there's a lot of resources there. Or if you have a basic subscription or a premium subscription, those are great too. The live subscription is fucking awesome. You get multiple live classes, seven days a week. We have a dozen different LSAT teachers Everybody's got a different style. Everybody's got a slightly different perspective on the test, but they all use the same basic terminology and concepts about the LSAT. We have classes that are focused on games, classes that are focused on LR, classes that are focused on reading comp. We have classes at all different levels. We have group timed sections and timed tests throughout the week. It's it's a wild amount of resources, and we see people improve by... 20 points in two months not everybody but we see it's not nothing either i mean it's like a significant number of people who are like yeah two months ago i was at 145 and now i'm at 165 yeah and for a few hundred bucks it's uh worth it i am biased uh but that does not mean that i'm wrong so (laughs) if that's a possibility i would definitely uh think about doing that jay
1: I mean, look, if you're not going to use it, then it's not worth it. You shouldn't spend us your money. No, no, no. Yeah. (laughs) If if you have the time to use it, I just, it seems like a drop in the bucket compared to everything else. Yeah.
0: Don't come to all the classes, by the way. Um, I don't think that's productive to come to every single one of all of those live classes. Check out the calendar, pick stuff that works for you. You know, you'll find teachers that you like, you'll find specific classes that you like, and go to you know one class every day or or sometimes maybe a couple classes in a day uh but you don't yeah i mean you can certainly get 295 dollars worth of value out of it in a month hours and hours and hours of professional help it is gonna help all right uh next one yeah Oh, this is addressed to you, but I'll read it. Ben, or please forward to Ben. You've mentioned Sam Harris's book, Waking Up, a few times lately. If you haven't started his app, Waking Up, I highly recommend it. It offers a comprehensive approach to understanding mindfulness through theoretical lessons, guided meditations, and insightful conversations with experts in various fields. The term you're dancing around, but may not have discovered yet, is, quote, non-judgmental awareness as we progress through the LSAT the key is to take one question at a time fully present non-judgmentally hope you enjoy best wishes mike oh and then i guess you followed you put this on the agenda huh
1: yeah i asked him he said he was that's what he taught in his classes and i was like oh mike what do you teach and apparently he teaches these classes
0: oh Mike teaches a plebe, which means freshman or first year boxing class and a cow, which means junior army unit fitness development class, both of which are mandatory for cadets.
1: Yeah, I mean, I am familiar with this app, Mike. So thank you for writing in. Um, the idea is just always be present with what you're doing. Don't judge yourself If you get, you know, behind on a game or something, it's not, that doesn't do you any good. Oh, this section's over. Oh, um, I'm failing, blah, blah, blah. Just, okay, that's what happened. That's where you're at. Now do the next question in front
0: of you. You'd be surprised how well you can recover. Great. We've got three more emails in the mailbag. Think we can make it through? Yep. All right, I think it's your turn.
1: Hi, Ben and Nathan. Love the podcast and of course the LSAT demon. I have a question mostly about scheduling your LSAT. For a little background, I've owned and operated my wedding photography business for 10 years and it's hard to come by a free Saturday. Yeah, weddings are on Saturdays. Weddings book 18 months in advance and it's not good practice to cancel on clients or send an associate when they've specifically booked you. Thankfully, I was able to take the LSAT Flex for the first time this April. I've signed up for the June LSAT already and I would like to take the August LSAT. For both dates, I have to photograph weddings the Saturday of the exam. I called LSAT to ask if they were going to offer Sunday dates for June and August. They were unhelpful, to say the least. No one would give me a straight answer. Now, they're really confused, aren't they? They told me to sign up and wait until 10 days before when they open time slots. Frankly, I'm frustrated. I know they make accommodations for religious purposes, which, yes, I'm so glad they do. Uh, Okay. But the representative didn't seem to think they could make date accommodations for any other reason. That's so ridiculous. I, I just feel like... What, what makes one religious idea more important than, say, some other religious idea? What it, she has a belief here. And her belief is that it's not good to cancel on your clients. I call that the
0: religion of serving your clients. Oh, this is a much bigger discussion and we <laughs> should probably steer slightly clear, but
1: you're afraid of it because it's religious. I'm just telling you why I take serious
0: issue with
1: religious religious exemptions.
0: Like tax like exemption religious. for churches which are clearly businesses. Well, even if you accept them as
1: a, re- a a genuinely religious enterprise, I don't understand why you can then distinguish between that and some other genuine concern for whatever. It's just I don't know
0: <laughs> it's, it is absurd like, it's, it's, yeah. I agree with you
1: anyways. Um, so her concern has to do with getting Sunday. Is there any advice? Right now, I'm signing up for these dates and potentially potentially having to cancel within two weeks of the exam. I believe it's $145 to reschedule by this point. I might as well be burning my cash. Real talk, colon. Do I just need to cancel these weddings and return their money? It's better to do it sooner rather than later so they have enough time to book a quality photographer. <sighs> How does it, is this, are the tests now only on Saturdays or is Proctor you allowing you to sign up for either day? You just don't know if you can get it. That's
0: the issue. That's why they, they, they shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly with the lawyer way they do their customer service. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, you don't want the lawyers to be in charge of customer service, but that's apparently what's going on at LSAC. Is like, well, we don't, that's just, they have this policy. Mm -hmm. We don't announce the dates. We don't know. It's the week of Saturday, whatever. Yeah. Okay. But are you going to offer it on any days other than Saturday? Well, we, uh, we announced the dates 10 days before. Okay. (laughs) It's like, okay, but look, the reality is you have, you have offered so far, as far as I understand it, they have offered multiple different days Every time yeah, they haven't all been on Saturday. There are, there is such a thing as Saturday Sabbath observers, by the way, and they're always going to offer an exception for those people. Aaron, I think you should just go ahead and declare yourself a Saturday Sabbath observer if that's what it comes down to, but they're going to have other days. I'm pretty sure they're going to have other days. I mean, you can't hold me to that like legally or whatever, but I know that in this last cycle, people took it on Saturday, Sunday, And Tuesday, they could just fucking say we're going to offer it on two or three days that week. (laughs) Well,
1: I'm sorry to go back to this religious exemption thing, but it just bugs me that someone can have a religious belief that they can't take it on Saturday and they're going to make an exception for that. But you can't have a belief that you're not going to screw your clients and that's not enough. I, I just, I just absolutely hate the distinction between beliefs.
0: They're both beliefs. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. I agree, <laughs> a thousand percent. I, I, I'm mad about their customer service. I just don't know why they don't go ahead and say it's gonna, it, it's gonna be two or three days during that week. If, if they said that, Aaron wouldn't have a problem anymore because she's a wedding photographer. She's worried specifically about Saturdays. Aaron, I think you can comfortably assume that they are going to offer it on a couple yeah. other days that week. I think that's very likely. No, you do not need to cancel these weddings right now. You can plan on doing those weddings. It's going to be fine. They're going to probably offer them on other days. Worst, I mean, I can't imagine they're going to do this, but if they did just only have it on Saturday... I think there there is still the. I'm sure there's a religious exemption for that, and I would I would encourage Erin to avail herself of that religious exemption if that's what it came down to. Yeah, I converted. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. If that's what you I mean, you have to get a note from your rabbi or whatever. Uh, fine, go. I'll be your rabbi. It's fine. Like, <laughs> there's no reason that is. I mean yeah it should be illegal for them not to not to offer that to everyone else
1: it's like fine like we can have a debate about religion and fine you can make these exemptions i just don't understand why they're restrictive it just gets into the like mess of deciding which beliefs are legit and it's annoying oh that's not a that's not a valid um uh, rabbi note yes it's like oh, oh okay you tell me what is then okay ready
0: for a happy story
1: yeah with double spaces
0: I'm ready ooh that is true this person is in law school at a top 10 uh, school and uh, is using two spaces between sentences that might be what they're training them to do at this top 10 law school but it looks incorrect to me these days okay antiquated but I don't know law is antiquated Hey Ben and Nathan, I'm emailing you to thank you, but I'm warning you read this email on your show at your own risk. If you do, it might mislead your listeners. I first emailed you guys over four years ago. I had a below, uh, sorry, I had below a 3.0 GPA. I was working for a construction company and I wasn't even sure I could get into law school. You told me to try, so I did. It was good advice. After listening to the podcast and studying for a few months, I got a 180 scoreboard. This is a splitter, somebody with like a 2.9 and a 180. Then I listened to your advice again and applied to a bunch of law schools. You were right. Again, I got into a few schools and I even got a couple of scholarships. Then I made the worst decision imaginable. I ignored your advice and paid for law school. Instead of taking half a scholarship to the big state school in my home state or a full ride to the small kind of bad law school in my hometown, I chose to go to one of the top 14 law schools that let me in. I looked at the employment numbers at the schools where I got scholarships and thought, if I end up at the bottom of the class, I'm getting a free law degree that is worth what I paid for it. Which is zero. I figured I was better off paying to go to a school where 100% of the graduates become lawyers than going for free to a school where 35% of the graduates become lawyers." He later clarified and said, well, actually, maybe it was more like 50% at those schools. After all, I didn't do so hot in undergrad and I figured I wouldn't do so hot in law school either. Fast forward three years and my prediction couldn't have been more wrong. I'm at the top of my class. I'm on the law review board. I'm starting a ninth circuit clerkship this fall. And after that, I'm working at a big law firm, making New York money in a smaller, cooler city, cooler than New York. Mm. <laughs> I know 10 million New Yorkers who would disagree. All of my wildest law school dreams have come true. Things could not have gone better. Okay. Okay, so it worked out. Well, one thing could have gone better. I have a whole house worth of student loans, and that sucks. Maybe I would have been better off being at the top of my class at a kind of bad law school with no debt. But I'm also going to get to do crazy cool jobs that don't hire students from law schools with bar passage rates of 50%. So the jury is still out on whether I'll regret my decision. Either way, I have you guys to thank. I wouldn't have gone to law school without you, and I definitely wouldn't have gone to a fancy law school that gets students fancy clerkships and fancy firm jobs. Your podcast changed my life. You can decide for yourselves whether you think you changed my life for better or for worse. <laughs> Talk to me after three years of practice, and then, and then we can decide whether you think your life is better or worse for going to law school and practicing law. Like I said, read this on your podcast at your own risk. Someone might hear this and think, yeah, I'll be just like that guy and be at the top of my class and get my dream job and pay off all those loans. Bad plan. I got incredibly lucky. And in hindsight, things could have turned out terribly. I'm grateful it worked out. But for 99.99% of people, the right answer is don't pay for law school. So (laughs) it's funny. He's still giving the advice, even though he didn't follow that advice and it worked out fine for him. <clears throat> but he's probably looking at the $300,000 student loan bills that he has for the rest of his life. I was considering. Um, I I don't think he wants these names in there. So it's. Uh, he, he doesn't. I mean, he's sent, some. We might read this on the show. Pacific Northwest Regional Schools. Oh, got it. Uh, there were later emails. I just I don't. Or redacted top 10 law school. Full price. Also got into another uh top 10 law school, but my wife didn't want to move. Went with redacted top 10 law school at full price, and I'll be clerking on the Ninth Circuit um in my hometown of Portland, and then working at redacted big firm uh in Denver. Okay. Portland's cool. Denver's cool. Not as cool as New York City, sorry. Oh, and I forgot to mention that Redacted gave me my last semester free since I'm at the top of the class. Better than a sharp stick in the eye, but still a stupid amount of debt overall. Pearl or turd? Maybe some of both. All the best. Jay. I'm perplexed. Why would a school do that for your last semester? Just for the last semester? I know that is strange. I've heard of schools doing that for like your second year, if you have the opportunity to transfer or for your third year if you have an opportunity to transfer. Just like you're about to write the check for 25 grand for the semester and they're like, nah, we're good.
1: Yeah, it's strange. I mean, are they anticipating a future, like you're at a moment in your life when money is tight before you're about to make a lot of money, they anticipate you making a lot of money because you're in the top of your class and they want to send you off with extraordinary goodwill? I don't know. I mean, they could make a lot of, they they might do the numbers on these things and people who are at the top of their class going to high paying law firms may have a lifetime of donations to the school that far outweigh that 25 grand.
0: (laughs) True. It's like, well, if we give all of the people in the top you know, very, very, very top very of the class, right? The class. Like the, They the might even know that you have killers. a job already at a big firm. <laughs> right. And they're like, well, let's see. We'll do the little, we'll give them a, we won't charge them for this last semester.
1: Which by the way, they're only actually giving you then, well, no, they're giving you the full 25 because they
0: would have gotten it. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, but this guy's going to donate millions back to the school, yeah. <laughs> Over the course of his career, um, hmm. don't do that. Don't donate money to your law school. <laughs> Why would you do that? Uh. Anyway. Um, okay. Thank you, Jay. Well, yeah. Thanks, Jay. Glad it worked out for you. I, you know, I still don't think that Jay really followed all of our advice because it didn't sound like he applied to options, enough schools, right? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's doing the like my wife didn't want to move across the country thing.
1: That also violates our advice.
0: <laughs> if you're willing to move from Portland to Denver, that's a flight. I mean, it's not like what it, it's like a what a two and a half hour flight probably from Portland to Denver. Yeah, it's a five hour flight from Portland to New York City. I don't. There's not that much of a difference. You're still a flight away. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would have applied more broadly if I like if Jay was really following our advice, because it shouldn't be a choice between mediocre regional law school and literally top 10 fantastic law school. Mm-hmm. It should be a choice between top 10 fantastic law school and some other almost as fantastic just outside the top 14 law school that wants to let you go for free. It doesn't seem like Jay really followed our advice all the way and got the full spectrum of offers. Mm -hmm. Because with a full spectrum of offers, I mean, like where's UCLA in this? Or where... UCLA loves giving full rides to people who have, you know, 2.9 and a 180. Yeah. They love LSAT. You know, they were trying forever to break into the top 14, which apparently now they actually did, finally. Where's USC in this? Where's... I don't know, other schools that are ranked 20th in the country. Anyway, glad it worked out, Jay. Thanks for writing in. Yep. Last one. This,
1: Yeah, this next one. Greetings, thinking LSAT. I'm a junior undergraduate student who plans on applying to law school for the fall of 2022 semester. Okay. Currently, I'm in the beginning stages of writing my personal statement for the schools I plan on applying to
0: seems a bit early for that but okay
1: sure I plan on primarily applying to law schools in the New England and New York area a short list of some schools I plan on applying to would be Northeastern University Boston College Boston University, University of New Hampshire University of Connecticut and Fordham the prompts consists the prompts consist of speaking to my character, what significant experiences have led me to develop an interest in the study of law? Why am I why I am motivated to study law? How I prepared so far and what skills I can contribute to the profession? Wow, this person's really digging into the personal statement and all those prompts. I believe that speaking to some of the uh, adver- speaking to some of the adversities and how I overcame them would answer these prompts sufficiently.
0: Okay. Can I I agree? I'm gonna. Yeah. I went back and forth a few times with A. On some, uh, on a few things. Sure. A's first email kept referring to it as an adversity statement. Whoa! So he, he or she really thought,
1: of this as a like a challenge.
0: Yeah. Well, I was like, "What the fuck's an adversity statement?" I've never heard of an adversity statement before. Is this something that a school is specifically yeah. asking you for an adversity statement? I've heard of a personal statement. I've heard of a diversity, diversity statement. statement. Yeah. I have not heard of an adversity statement. What is that? Yeah. And he's like, "Oh no, I, I meant personal statement." But I wanted to speak. I wanted to, and he he keeps coming back to, "I want to talk about all of these adversities that I have." dealt with in my life but i thought it was really telling that he was calling it an adversity statement Yeah, he's really merged that idea <laughs> in- he's committed it seems like yeah to this theme but anyway i what i said hey can you go look at the actual prompts and tell me what they're actually asking you for notice that not one of them says adversity that you have <laughs> overcome. <laughs> right now about- it does say You know, they're asking for your character and significant experiences. And sure, you could address those by talking about adversities, but they didn't ask you for trauma. So, you know, I would hesitate before I would just immediately default to giving them trauma.
1: Think about this. When you meet someone for a job interview, do they say, tell us about your suffering? (laughs) Right.
0: Right. Yeah, you meet somebody at a bar and they're like, you know, when they say, what's your story, they don't mean what's the worst thing that ever happened to you. But anyway.
1: Okay. A continues. I agree that focusing on my adversity alone would make for a bad personal statement. This leads me to my question on how I can speak about the adversities I have faced without making them the highlight of the paper. I think you're destined to make them your highlight. You can't stop talking about them.
0: Right. It's like, I know that I shouldn't only focus on the adversity, but how do I talk about the adversity without (laughs) me? It's like, well, why are you, why do you keep (laughs) returning to this? (laughs) I'm not the one who's had the idea of writing about these adversities. You're asking me how you can write about the adversities here when I don't generally think that's a good idea but hey look let, <laughs> okay. let me give you an example hey eh? um
1: I I agree that focusing on my favorite foods alone would make for a bad personal statement this leads me to my question on how I can speak about my favorite foods without making them the highlight of the paper why why are you talking about your favorite foods <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. one asked for that <laughs> Okay, my, the primary focus will be on my accomplishments, but I feel that speaking about the significance of them... The primary focus will be on my accomplishments, okay. But I feel that speaking about the significance of them comes with speaking to the adversities. Wow, I'd really like you to just write something, and then we can start talking about what you mean by all this. Uh, I don't think anyone should be talking about the significance of their accomplishments. You just say what they
0: are. Listen, if you won the gold medal in the fucking 100-meter Paralympics, yeah, you can talk about the gold medal you won in the 100-meter Paralympics. And this is significant because... Clearly, you overcame an (laughs) adversity. (laughs) Yeah. You don't need to explain to me (laughs) that... You have one leg, and that's how you qualify, you know, the, and that that was a challenge, and you had to learn how to run super fast with only one leg, and that's how you, you know, it's like the achievement speaks for itself. Well, that's, a, that's true for so many achievements. When you
1: even talk at work about some mundane challenge you resolved, it becomes self evident why it was significant because we see the problem that was resolved.
0: Yeah, I think it's almost like all achievements speak so like, for themselves. Oh, this is
1: important because it, yeah, it, it it increased.
0: I increased the sales at my car dealership by 80%. But oh, wait, Nathan, why is that?
1: What's the significance of that? Why? Who cares?
0: <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> one's ever going to ask you that. They're going to be like, oh. Instead, they're going to immediately infer all of the amazing qualities you're bringing to the table or all of the, I mean they also know that that probably wasn't easy. Yeah. You know, they they're going to they they're, they're going to fill in so many blanks for you. If you have achievements to talk about, I would talk about those achievements because they just make people make so many positive inferences. Whereas the second you start telling me about some adversity, I'm not making any positive inferences from that. Instead, I'm making negative inferences like, "Oh wow, this person went through a lot. Boy, they could still be carrying some of that with them." Sometimes, certain people just seem to attract trouble. You know, troubling shit. Uh, I don't know. It's it's not the it's just not the direction that you want to lead somebody in.
1: Okay. A continues, my college journey, that's itself concerning, it's not a journey, you just went to school, has been unique with the adversities that have led me to this point in time. (laughs) (laughs) College is now a journey, apparently it's unique, a one of a kind, and
0: it's been filled with- Literally (laughs) every single person who's applying to law school went to college. (laughs) it's not a journey. I mean, it is a journey only in the most trivial sense and it is unique only in the most trivial sense. And it doesn't. So stop with that. It doesn't have
1: to be laden with <laughs> adversities. And even if it is, you shouldn't be focusing on them. You should be, nobody wants to hear you about, about that. Be shit. About how you nobody won. wants to
0: hear about your baggage. Yeah.
1: I would want to speak to once. I also don't love this use of this. I, the, the preposition to, he keeps talking about how he speaks two things.
0: Right. Well, he's, yeah, he's got this very stilted, overly formal style, and I would encourage him to just be more conversational. I want to speak to your law
1: school debt. Um, I I would want to speak to once been...
0: Having been or Yeah, once having been
1: a student who dealt with homelessness due to drug abuse and mental health issues within my family... Recently losing one of my parents before moving to college. Uh, I mean, that sucks, but I I don't see how that's going to help win over the admissions committee. I would primarily want to talk about the accomplishments that came with the motivation to work for a better future and hopefully help others through my profession. That's going to come across as suspect
0: accomplishments that i well the hopefully help others through my profession is just like this wish casting it's not it, it's not it's not a fact i mean I, okay it's a fact that you want that but it is far from a fact that you're going to actually ever do that and so i don't i'm not that interested in that i'm interested in what you've actually done and you know to this point in this whole email I know that uh, Jay went to call or a went to college and I know that a had some tough shit in his childhood, but having some tough shit in your childhood and going to college does not make you a kick-ass lawyer. So it's like, what else you got? Like, what are the facts that actually support your case?
1: Accomplishments that I want to speak on would be my growth (laughs) as a student going from a high school GPA of 1.9 to a college GPA of 3.6, and being a first-generation graduate of high school and soon-to-be college graduate. Uh, These span a a lot of time, and I would prefer that you talk about accomplishments that have happened in the last two years.
0: That said... It is a fact that I don't hate. I, I actually quite like the 1.9 G high school GPA, but a 3.6 college GPA.
1: I, I like that fact too. Although I'm, I'm, is this a personal statement or just an addendum?
0: Like- uh, I could see. No, I mean, well, you have to have a personal statement. So what are you going to write about? I'm, I'm getting the sense. Well, no, not the sense. This is a junior undergraduate student who's trying to go to law school right after college. Yeah. So no jobs. No, you know, like I actually would really like to hear about your job at the McDonald's where you're working your way through college. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's something. It's a thing you're doing. Because otherwise, it's this, like, I had a tough childhood, and now I have a 3.6 in college. Well,
1: it sounds like he can do better than McDonald's. It says, also, I will speak about my engagement with my community. Okay, what engagement? We need specifics. And the internships that have offered relevant experiences. Any internships. You don't need to limit them to the ones that have offered relevant experiences. Anyone, any internship where you kicked ass and had to do something hard. Ultimately, I would speak about what I overcame and the accomplishments sense, but how do I address the adversities without seeming as (laughs) I am seeking pity? Just don't address them. Thank you for your time and don't pay for law school. Um, Wow. I mean, A has talked about so many things at such a high level. If you were actually to have substance to talk about all of these, you would run out of space. Right, so I need specifics. I need, I need examples from your internships, for example. That will take up your entire personal statement, and you'll be done.
0: Yeah, talk about the good shit you have done, because right now I don't have anything to latch onto. Like, if I'm trying to sell a as a kick-ass law student and lawyer, what facts can I muster to try to make that case?
1: The only fact right now is 1.9 to a 3.6, and I don't know how much there is to say about that that's not already said with your transcript and maybe an addendum to point out what you had in high school.
0: But even then, it seems a little strange. Engagement with my community? Great. What does that mean? What did you do? What have you done to help your community? Internships that have offered relevant experiences? Fine. What did you do there? What have you done? What is the work that you have done? I need to see you working. I need to see you winning. I, I just—it's—I'm—I'm I'm really worried here that A is so focused on. I have to talk about these unique life lessons of having homelessness and drug abuse and mental health issues in my in my family. I just don't. I'm not. Those aren't selling points to me. I, I'm not. Like, can you imagine Ben being like, oh, well, this guy, we know he's going to be a kick-ass lawyer and donate money back to the school. And the reason why we know that is that his parents had drug abuse and mental health issues and one of them died. Yeah. That's not an argument. That's that. That's just not that doesn't that doesn't rationally make any sense. (laughs) There's no like because this guy has drug addiction in his family. Therefore, he's a good lawyer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. there's 20 steps in between those two things. And I would, I need to hear about the steps in between the things, especially the things that the steps that are closer to being a lawyer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're the president of some community organization, or if you, you know, really made an impact at one of these internships, those things are, <laughs> show promise for someone who's actually going to succeed in law school and succeed in the, in the, in yeah. the legal field, but all the trauma and your, your parent dying and all that stuff. all That's just, I, I can't imagine a, a scenario in which it's like, Oh, well we know he's going to do awesome. Cause you know, his, his parents, his, one of his parents died. Yeah. There's not, there's not an argument there. Yeah anyway thanks a um if you want to write us back with you know like a polished uh version of what you think is a good personal statement um send it to help at com. and uh, we we get too many of those that we haven't really been doing very many of them on the show lately but i'd be curious about this one to see where he tries to go with this um And my other thing is like, why do you have to go straight to college right out of undergrad? Like you, if, if that's all you've got to talk about, then maybe you need to like get a job for a couple of years and work and like do, you know, achieve some stuff in the the real world, not just college. Um, so that you have some other more productive stuff maybe to write about in your personal statement. That's my two cents. Um, all right, you can be LSAT famous. Uh, get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinkinglsat.com. If you have any questions about the demon, we have an awesome uh, help uh, staff there, help at lsatdemon.com. That was episode 295 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.